Hello, Vibers, and welcome to the Vibe with Kai podcast. It's your boy, Kai, and I'm super excited to be sitting here with Ro, aka Roller Coaster of Love on TikTok and Instagram. Now, let me tell you about this very inspiring person I'm going to have talking with me today. Uh, Ro is an abusive relation, uh, was in an abusive relationship for 14 years. So now she spends her days uh, sharing her healing journey and talking about how the trauma bond that she had with her abuser kept her on this roller coaster for a very long time. We're going to touch about that entire story. Um, now with over 127,000 followers on TikTok, Ro is a certified life coach and is currently in a diploma program for human and community support services and is professionally trained to coach and help people recover from the traumatic and challenging events. She offers a safe space for you to share, ask advice, or just reflect on the unhealthy dynamics of your experience. She is constantly reminding all the people all over the world that you are not alone. It is my honor, my friends, to welcome Ro, aka Roller Coaster of Love to the podcast. Ro, how are you, my friend? Hello, I'm so well. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. Did you like that intro? Did I did I nail I loved it? it? Did I get you it? You nailed it. You nailed that was me. I couldn't <laughs> have said it better myself. Thank you, Kai. Appreciate I had, that. I had to practice that a couple times in the mirror to make sure I got it right. <laughs> it's very motivational and inspiring. It's, it's the exact way I want to be introduced. Yes, exactly. Right. Uh listen, yeah. no, I I I it's funny. One of the reasons that you're on here right now is because I always ask. Uh, my vibers, my subscribers, you know, who do you want me to talk to? Who do you want me to have a conversation with? And your name came up multiple times. And at the time, I'm like, I, I don't think I've ever, you know, heard of her before. Let me go check her out. And I went out, I went to your um, platform and I was checking everything out. I'm like, oh, I need to talk to her. <laughs> I, need to <laughs> I talk love to that. Her. Yeah. And so I reached out and then, and you are so gracious to, to lend your time to us today. Um, Honestly, thank you so much for 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 sitting this uh, sitting with me and all of that. So let's let's start at, in 2020 actually. So I'm going to start there and then we'll work our way back a little bit. Um, 2020, the world caught on fire <laughs> to say the least. How yeah. have you just personally been dealing with the pandemic life? It's been you know two years now. How have you personally been doing with all of it? Uh, well, when you say fire, you mean dumpster fire, right? Yes, exactly. it, it, was, <laughs> it was not the best time for anyone. And um, part of my story, I do share later on that I ended up with another abusive person. And um, at that, that time, 2020, I had left an abusive marriage, as you mentioned, of 14 years in the intro, the wonderful intro. And I had a, um, you know, wanted to get back into dating, wanted to get out and do stuff. And when the first person I met, the first person who gave me any attention after an abusive relationship, you tend to be very vulnerable, gravitate towards any kind of affection, anything that you were lacking and missing from an abusive dynamic. And I latched onto the first person I saw and the first person who gave me attention. And then of course, add that to not being able to go to, to go out, not being able to meet anywhere, being hunkered into your house, isolating, not being able to go out, socially connect. Everything is completely locked and shut down. I hunkered down with this abusive person. So I was actually in two abusive relationships. Um, the second one was a lot shorter, but the pandemic is something that sort of forced me into sticking with that and and not being able to go out and and do stuff so it was really it, I mean it, it's definitely a matter of chance but that that contributed to that yeah it's, it's um, crazy it's crazy how like the the pandemic kind of just like molded our lives in like a way that a lot of us didn't expect you know like I even for me I I was always like an introvert but I was more of like an ambervert than an introvert uh, Me too. And, yeah, exactly. And then once the pandemic started, I legit turned into like the happiest introvert in the world. I'm like, oh, this is heaven. I can stay home. And it's just acceptable to just stay home all day and read books and watch TV and make dinner. Like I could just do that. And it's acceptable. Because mm -hmm. uh, like mm -hmm. you, like, like everybody else, like we were trapped in our homes. And, you know, we, we found ourselves living a, a, a very interesting life that a lot of us didn't um, expect. And uh, you, you touched upon your story, you know, the first uh, relationship that you were in for 14 years where you had this abusive um, narcissist, if I'm not, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, yes, uh, which yes. We're gonna, which we're going to touch upon. Uh, so mm -hmm. I definitely want to touch upon that. Uh, and to kind of set things off, can you just talk a little bit about what a narcissist is? Kind of set the, because I think this is going to set the tone for where we're going to go with this entire conversation. 
Absolutely. So narcissism exists in all of us. It's all on a spectrum. All of us can access narcissistic traits. So they can be healthy narcissism. If you want to access your confidence, that could be taken as arrogance. Sometimes you want to take risks, the ability to push forward, get tasks done. You can access narcissism, narcissism that way. When narcissistic abuse becomes a matter of uh, harming another person for the benefit of yourself, there are nine behavioral traits of narcissism. And when somebody embodies all of those, or at least five of those traits, then they develop a pattern. And if they're developing a pattern and abusing others to exploit situations or because of their entitlement, then they become what's called a, a narcissistic personality disorder, being on the high levels and on the high end of that spectrum. Right, so right. I, it's, it's an obs it's observation in most cases. I know a lot of people say narcissism is an overused word, or this mm. term is overused. I believe it's most misunderstood, not overused. I think it's misunderstood. And I think that people are really hard to, it's hard for people to identify what type of abuse or what type of manipulation or emotional control somebody has over somebody else. And if you're quick to call them a narcissist, some people are like, well, maybe that makes you a narcissist, right? <laughs> yeah, right. They get they kind of <laughs> tighten up and get very defensive, right? Because I, because to your point, I think there, there there probably is a misunderstanding. And even even for me, um, watching your your content that you've put out on on TikTok and Instagram and everything that you have on on the other. Uh, various mediums that you're on like even in the short amount of time that I've uh, been following you I know that I've learned a lot a lot of things that you know I was you know ignorant to uh, that I think a lot of people might be you know ignorant to and I don't mean ignorant in like a stoop like you're stupid kind of way I mean like yeah, you know, just no. like you're just not well and we're just not well educated or well informed in that in that regard so I totally respect um you know the fact that you have dedicated your platforms to this to educate as many people so let's talk about like how you got to this point uh yeah. can, if you don't mind can you can you start from the beginning with with your um with your first relationship of 14 years yeah what what happened what is your story there so, I mean, Cole's notes, we were together 14 years. There was a lot of love bombing in the very beginning of the relationship, which is something that I discuss and, and create awareness around. Um, a love bomber is someone who's wanting to manipulate you. In beginnings of relationship, it takes a foundation to build something strong. And if somebody wants to grab you to the top, they're selfish. They want everything from you right away. I got that selfish person. I had somebody who tell me that I was their soulmate, that they were in love with me on the first date. Ended up marrying him and having three kids. And this is what narcissists or manipulators or toxic people do. And I use these words interchangeably because I think that um, you can't just be pointing around and calling everyone a narcissist and that I can sometimes say, you know, well, that's not, not saying he's a narcissist, but if he was, this is something that they or he or she would do. Uh, these are things that my ex-husband did, love bombed me and put me in this perpetual cycle of abuse, which starts with love bombing. It starts with love bombing moves onto idealization, which is putting you on a pedestal, putting your partner up in this, this high, untouchable, Adonis, Madonna. You are so perfect. You cannot do anything wrong. They throw you all the way up there thinking that you feel great up there. I felt amazing. I felt like I was the funniest, most you know, successful in his eyes, that I, I was so good at everything. And he was just praising me and giving me all the accolades I needed. He was so, uh, he adored me. Mm. The higher you go on that pedestal, the higher they put you up, the fall, the fall is really, really hard because you're knocked right down. And so that is the devaluation phase. And this is where the years of slow, insidious insults created the trauma. It was, you're not good enough. It was, why are you so jealous? It was, why are you so sensitive? It was, why is your mood like that? Why are you looking at me like that? You know, lose some weight. You know, it was just, it was very slow and insidious and in just, you know, it's like the frog in boiling water. When you throw a frog in a, right. a boiling a pot of boiling water, it's going to jump out. Right. And that, that was going to be one of the questions that I asked is like, because like, was it one of those things that like it, it like it, it didn't suddenly happen? Like you, you feel oh, as though yeah. it was like, little, like, little, was it like small? I guess when you look back, hindsight's 2020, do you like look back and see like the little signs that's like, oh, wait a second. 
I see, I see, I see it now. It. Mm -hmm. And it's like laying, it's like peeling layers of an onion. You start to uncover how, how abusive it really was, because when you're in it, you can't see it when you're inside, right? I was that frog thrown into hemp and water. I was that frog with the water being turned, the heat being turned up and slowly getting boiled alive. That's where I was at. And then throw that with the, the obligation and commitments of marriage, of children, of finances being intertwined. And then now I've got this obligation and fear of leaving because of who I would become when I left. Even if I wanted to leave, I would gaslight myself and psych myself out and make me make myself feel as if there's going to be a lot of consequences if I try to leave, which there were when I would voice my feelings. So after the devaluation phase and the abuse started to get really ramped up, mm -hmm. where he was at this place where he had me so locked in with three kids in a marriage, a house and finances and all of our families were intertwined. And I spent all of these years basically proving to all my friends and family how perfect our life was. You know, there's a lot of embarrassment and guilt in that the shame of, of keeping up a facade and really trying to, to make myself like prove to myself that this was real. Like this, this could be better. It could be good. You know, what, what I'm, what I'm having right now is just cognitive. What I know now is it's cognitive dissonance Two competing thoughts, not matching. So he tells me he loves me, but he cheats on me. That's like, what is that? It doesn't really match right. up, but I'm going to go for the, I love you because the cheating on me is too painful. So my brain goes for the, I love you's. And that's what I thrive in the good, the good do you, stuff. Do you feel that it was like, it was, I guess, in a way your brain, I guess protecting you protecting, in a way yeah. Yeah, to keep you to I guess make you feel a little bit safe even though it was kind of like a and, and correct me if I'm wrong here like a false safety uh it's a survival kind of yeah oh yeah that's it's great a word. survival mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. a survival mode right we mm -hmm. protect our hearts we protect our minds our souls to stay in that moment to live in the present and survive because that's all we're really doing in life anyway is doing our best mm -hmm. we do the best that we could do with the tools we had at the time I didn't know I was in an abusive relationship I had no idea when things started to get really bad and I started threatening leaving I started getting the consequences for that which um you know, the, the narcissist I married is, is severely addicted to many vices, one of them being gambling. And he would waste and gamble and squander away so much of our children's education fund, our life savings, um, you know, finances and, and, and things that we had planned on doing, I, we couldn't do. And then he would blame me for it because I would threaten to leave or tell him that I was feeling like this marriage is making me unhappy. So he was putting the blame like on, on, on you, yeah. right? And then as a result, you, and this is oh, one of the phrases that you used earlier was you, you said you were gaslighting yourself, yeah. uh, and, uh, which is an interesting way to, to put it. So, so he was doing this and you, he was blaming you. And did you feel that it was your fault? Like in the moment where you're like, oh, this is, this is all me. This is all I my fault. I was the one to blame. I, yeah. I very wholeheartedly believed that it was my fault that if only I didn't threaten to divorce, if only I just would have kept my mouth shut, if only I would have just play along and just accepted that sometimes he has bad days. Sometimes he's jackal, sometimes he's hide. And the fact that I have to walk on eggshells and wonder who's coming home today, am I gonna get abused today? Or am I gonna get a dozen red roses? Because mm. that is what narcissists do in right. order to keep you in the perpetual cycle of abuse. They knock you down, but then they, give you a period of calm and then they treat you, they distract you. I'm not gonna say treat you better, but they right. distract you by seemingly treating you better to keep you in that cycle so that you're like, well, maybe it'll get better. Right. Maybe there's hope for better here. Did you feel, did, I guess uh, this might be a, a hard question to, to answer just in general for narcissism, but do you think that most narcissists are aware that they're even doing it in the first place or is it just one of those things that they're just like this is just their personality they they, they truly do believe that they are just in the right here or, or is it maybe a mixture of both it's hard to say yeah. and i get this yeah. so so i get this question asked a lot in my lives and um you know just through coaching so a lot of people ask this do they know what they're doing and i think they're rooted reason why maybe you're asking Kai or anybody else that asks, I think it's deep rooted in, I would never do that. And I asked that question too. Do they know that they're doing this? Because if I consciously knew that I was hurting someone in this way, I wouldn't do it. And I know that this hurts me. 
So can a person that I'm in love with, that I marry and vow to be with forever, do they have the capability of hurting me in this way and enjoying it? Do they like it? And that's a really hard pill to swallow. And that's something I can't answer. I don't know. Do I think that narcissists know that they're different? Yeah, I think they know. I think he knew that he was hurting me. I think he knew that what he was doing was probably, um, you know, it was, it, it was wrong. But I don't know if the difference between right and wrong for them is the same as anybody else who sees another human being and looks at them as a human. I feel like narcissists, and this is my personal opinion, I feel like they objectify other humans because mm. that is their form of supply. So in the narc talk community or people that, you know, Dr. Romani on YouTube and other people who discuss narcissistic abuse and narcissistic personality disorder talk about supply and how a narcissist needs supply, just like a drug addict needs to have that hit when they go for that substance. I am the substance. I'm objectified. That's an interesting way to put it. I never really thought of it that way. That's really interesting. Right? A heroin addict doesn't look at the heroin and go, go, oh, well, I I don't want to make that feel bad, right? It just, they know that they get something from it. So he gets something from manipulating me, lying to me. He gets something from cheating on me, stealing from me. He gets something out of that. He gets a reaction and that feeds his supply. That is his drug. He's addicted to that. And so do I think they know what they're doing? Yes. Do I get, do I think they understand or get to the point of remorse? No, I don't think they get that because Mm -hmm. I'm not a human being. I'm a supply source Mm -hmm. so that, you know, to answer your question, it's, it's a tricky question. It's yes and no. Right. And, and how, um, how far, I guess, how, how long into the 14 years were you when you decided that, hey, you know what, I need to get out of this. I need to get out of this right now. How, how far along were you? So, so, okay. So first off, we had a break mm. in the middle and in a lot of narcissistic abusive relationships, romantic dynamics, there's going to be this cycle of abuse. And I've already told you the love bombing, the, the um, idealization, then there's the devaluation that usually goes back into love bombing again or a period of uh, what we call breadcrumbing. So just little bits of like, it, like intermittent um, reward to keep mm-hmm. you in this relationship, to get you back in. Somewhere along the lines, there's a discard. And the discard is where the narcissist just kind of mentally checks out or throws you out. They sometimes even break up the relationship. Sometimes the discard comes from the survivor, which in my case, I discarded him and said, I had enough of this, I'm done with this. We actually broke up for a year and a half in between. And what happens during a discard is when they want you back or when they want to get you back in that cycle, or if they can sense you're happy in that, in that moment in my life, I was happy without him. He wrote me a 14 page letter. He confessed his love for me, all of that stuff. And wow. he had, a, he had a big car accident and he, he, he promised me that the person in that car accident died, that this new person is a completely transformed person and that he wouldn't do any of those things anymore. And I believed it and I married him and had three kids. And so what wow. that's called is a Hoover. That is part of the cycle of abuse. Yeah. And so he Hoovered me back in. And this is what I inform my clients on. Be careful with the Hoover. If you're particularly vulnerable in a situation or you're starting to miss them, they might Hoover you back in and that that term comes from the Hoover vacuum. They suck you back into the cycle of abuse. So after the Hoover, after the marriage, after the kids, his mask completely fell off. So he wasn't the person he pretended to be anymore. He was actually really abusive and monstrous. And I was so locked in, as I mentioned earlier, with the finances and with the marriage and with the kids and everything else that locks us into these relationships. I was so locked in. It was hard for me to see it. I could see it but I was really training my brain and tricking myself not to see it because I really hoped for the best. And at the moment, at my, one of the moments, and I remember a friend telling me, um, actually the reason why I have roller coaster of love is because of a friend, a friend that told me I was in a roller coaster of love. I was on a cycle of abuse and she tried to tell me, you know, you need to get out of this relationship. He's up. He's so abusive. And I just, I've been friends with her since we were five years old. She's my best friend. And I didn't listen to her. I was like, you don't know what it's like to be married. You don't have kids. This is a really sacred marriage. And you, you can't tell me stuff like that. And this is why I say you can't just tell people that they're in abusive relationships. They have to see it. When I finally saw it, which was on my own, even though I told her 
to get out of my life and stop being her friend, she was the first person to help me out. She was the first person to help me save money. First person to help yeah. me move. First person by my side every night when I was crying alone and really worried that I broke up a family and that my kids were going to grow up from yeah. a broken home and whatever damage that was going to cause them. She helped me. She helped me see it. So that would have been, that was 2019. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I knew what was going on, all that mattered to me was getting out. It wasn't until I was out and away from the relationship that I realized it was narcissistic and that that was abusive. I just knew I wasn't happy. Everyone can say they're in a happy marriage or an unhappy marriage and decide to divorce. But when you leave this relationship, that's like what I was saying earlier, the layers of the onion get peeled back and you really start to see what it is. And that's when I discovered that it was abusive and that I needed to, to get out and learn about what I went through. Right. And so, um, and I think you were, you're talking about this briefly before. So once you did find your way out of this relationship, you were saying that you found your way back into another one. Uh, and you were saying that it was, I would imagine it was mainly due to just the state of the world at the, at the time. And there was just so much going on and we all were just looking to cling on to something, uh, you know, to, 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 to find some hope. Was that the case here? You know, that, you know, you went this whole time, you know, and you finally got yourself out of it. Um, and then you, then you ended up back with this, I, I'm going to assume similar type of person. Yes. Very yeah. similar. Yeah. I mean, s- similar in the traits of narcissism, mm-hmm. but presented a little differently. It was, it was just, it was a fast paced, uh, dynamic that was very controlling. It wasn't, it wasn't as manipulative as with my ex-husband. But with this ex-boyfriend, it was very controlling. It was, who are you out seeing? Tell me what time you're coming home. Why were you active on Instagram at 3 a.m. when you said you would be home at, that you were going to bed at 11? Why were your odometer mileage? Why is it so much this week because you only take your kids to school? Where did you go? You know, a lot of accusations. And in that relationship, I learned that accusations are confessions. He actually had been cheating on me the whole time. Oh my gosh. and going out and meeting other women and staying up all night, texting and sexting with people on Instagram and things like that. So all of these projections, which he was accusing me of, which I thought were so outlandish. And I had to, I had to sit there and basically defend myself every time. Mm -hmm. Like, no, honey, I actually, I want, I only want you. I'm not talking to any other guys. Like, and he was telling me I should take my Instagram down. I mean, there, there was a lot of things where I'm like, I don't, I don't, I didn't just leave an abusive relationship of 14 years just to be controlled by this person that I met on Bumble. Right. Like that wasn't, that wasn't happening. That relationship lasted nine months and no, did I think I did not think it was controlling in the time because of course I thought I was in love. But when I left that relationship and I was harassed by him and I blocked him, he called me from spoof numbers he left me very insane voicemails and threatened me, threatened my life, threatened my kids. Um, very psychopathy type characteristics. And it was, it, was, it was in that moment that I realized I was dealing probably with a psychopath. I mean, yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And so I, I, have, I have two questions uh, in, in this regard. So the first question is for you personally, did you find yourself, I guess, beating yourself up in a way because you found your way back into a similar situation or not, not the same type of person, but just like a, a situation in which you weren't happy, in which the person was just clearly um, not viewing the relationship or you the same way that you thought that, that, that they, that they were, were you mad at yourself at any point where you have like, how the hell did this yes. happen to me? Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh gosh, I blame yeah. myself. I just thought I was, my picker was wrong. I'm like, why am I picking these people? Why is this the first relationship that I pick? He, he's, he's checking my mileage. Like that, that's, that's, you know, anyone would leave. Anyone would be like out. But then, you know, I still stayed with him for another five months after that incident was only three months in or four months in. So yeah, of course I beat myself up a little bit. And I asked myself, what is, what about me? What is it about me that is attracting this type of person? Did I think about the pandemic being a factor? No, because that's just life and you have to roll with it. 
Did I think that being out of an abusive relationship and haven't been attempted to heal myself yet? Do you, did I even think of that to consider that my heart was still wide open, being busted open from being broken? No, I didn't think that the wound was so, so fresh that anyone, I was so vulnerable. If you have a wound and you haven't put a bandaid on it or any antiseptic on it, you're going to get an infection. And I've got that infection that came with an in form of another narcissist psychopath, right? I was very vulnerable. And I was a magnet to anyone who would give me the attention because for years I wasn't getting any attention. I was getting really poor treatment, you know, like 14 years ago, I was getting love bombed and being idolized and told I was perfect. So 14 years later, fast forward after years of abuse, somebody's telling me I'm perfect. I'm going to fall for that. Sure. Was it, was right? it, was it harder for you to leave this one than it was the first one or was it easier or was it about the same? It was easier for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a lot of just mental, like it was like a mental uh, war with myself. Like, do I want to work on this? Do I not want to work on this? I also had a lot more responsibilities at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had, I have three kids. I, this, this guy's living in a basement suite by himself. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't have a car. Like this isn't something I need to latch onto. It was a lot more difficult, obviously leaving a, a husband with a house and shared vehicles and shared finances. So yes, logistically, that was a lot more difficult, but getting to this place of being like, I'm at a, I'm at a place right now where I'm so confident. I have a, a, the gift that these guys gave me was the cutthroat ability to cut anyone off. When I find out they're not really for me and they're not who they say they are, cut them off just like that. I could do that right. now. Right. I wasn't able to do that then. Right. Now I want to, I want to kind of shift gears here because what you're doing with all of like, you, you know, this is a great time to, to segue into this. You have mm-hmm. created a community of people that have found themselves in similar situations or are currently going through it at that time or have been through it before, or they're not sure if they're going through it, but maybe somebody recommended that, that they just join this community um, and you, you, you've built up this really cool community of people that, that, get to, that get to hear your story and you get to hear their stories. Can you talk a little bit about the community that you have now and, 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 mm-hmm. and how it all came to be? For sure. Yeah. So my journey on TikTok started like a year and a little bit ago. And um, somebody just said, you know, check it out. And I thought, what a way for me to self-express after going through a divorce and feeling so inauthentic and not the, like having no ability to self-express what a beautiful way for me to just get on this this thing and start doing things like singing dancing things I never was able to do in that marriage because I was always made to feel like insecure and question my abilities so I started doing stuff like this and one day I decided to just make this video because I was stressed out about drop-offs with dropping off my kids and I am also a survivor of financial abuse. So getting a Starbucks coffee was something very difficult for me to do whenever I went to go pick up the kids from my ex's house. I would have to pick up the kids first, get the coffee after, because God forbid he'd see me with the coffee Mm. and start questioning me and start asking me what I'm spending my money on and start financially abusing me again. So I made a video about this, about what is this called when I can't even get a coffee, when I hide all my clothes, when I, when we were married, I would hide all the sushi that I bought, he would eat it really fast. And then I would double bag it and throw it in the garbage, the next door neighbor's house so that he wouldn't know I ordered it, stuff like that, that blew up. And I realized I had CPTSD, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, started heavily going to therapy to learn and discover what I went through, which was narcissistic abuse. And then I started just making content about my story. And that account is my personal account. Um, I started doing that and people were like, this is amazing. Let's talk about it. Let's talk more about it. Then in June, June 10th last year, my best friend, the one who coined my relationship, a roller coaster of love, the one who helped me get out, she passed away from a drug overdose. And what's, what's really, really messed up about that is my ex-husband would say, when I told him she doesn't like you, she thinks I'm in a cycle of abuse, he would say, don't ever trust a drug addict, right? And so I, this is one of the reasons why I shunned her. Anyways, her birthday is November 22nd. On that day, I set up the page, Roller Coaster of Love, dedicated to her. I got a tattoo on that day of a lily on my arm, which is the exact same lily on her arm which represents freedom and that this page is for her. So as I built this community, 
teaching about narcissistic abuse, bringing awareness and just harnessing and creating a safe place for me to recover, I gained followers who were like, bro, start a podcast. Okay. I guess I'll do that. That's bro. always the good route to take, right? Hey, I have a lot to say. I, right? I have a computer and a microphone. Let's do this Talk thing. About it. Let's do it, right? Start <laughs> yeah. a podcast. Start going live. Okay. Yeah. I got a thousand followers. Started going live. Get an Instagram account. Okay. Built an Instagram account. Where's your Facebook support group? Okay. So I started that. And as soon as the community started telling me things to do, I just did it. You know, why don't you coach? Have you ever thought of helping other people? You're really helping. And I thought, well, why not? Okay. So I went online. I'm like, how to be a life coach, whatever. And I went and got the certification. And then I just started taking coaching calls. And I incorporated Roller Coaster of Love Inc. and became what I am now because of the community. Because as I started growing and as my community was talking to me and telling me what I should do, and why didn't you try this? Why didn't, and I am in this space of motivation and confidence that I can take on anything. And I'm not afraid to just start something new because I was trapped where I couldn't start one thing new when I was married to that guy. Now I can, I can just take on whatever new challenge there is. And, and this is where it led me. So really the community led me here. And I really firmly believe that anybody who is starting a journey on TikTok or any other social media platform is listen and build your community first and then decide where you want it to take you. Then decide where you want it to go. And it'll just make, it'll build itself on its own. Amen and to I, that. I, <laughs> right? Amen yeah, I mean, you, yes. you know this as an influencer, you would yeah. know this. Um, another little caveat to that though is with narcissistic abuse with a trauma bond and with what we get stuck in we ruminate on a narcissistic a relationship we our heads get stuck in analyzing it to the point of analysis analysis paralysis we get stuck in it and we can't actually access our intuition and our purpose so when we're stuck with all that chaos our brain gets entertained with that and our brain just goes I don't know I don't know I'm thinking about the narcissist is this abuse is this not abuse so how I help clients is when I coach them through that I, I get them to remove all of this rumination all of this this thought processes that get them stuck and when you can remove that, our brain, our mind is open to possibility. We become really, really good at what we're doing. We, we find out what our dream is. We find out what our passion is and we begin to monetize. And this is how we become successful in areas in our life because usually narcissistic abuse holds us back because we're stuck spiraling yeah. over it. Before we continue with our interview, I wanted to let you know that the official Vibe with Kai Patreon is finally here. For only $5 a month, you'll get full access to things you won't find anywhere else on the internet. This includes mental health updates, brand new Get More Girls recaps and reviews, TV show recaps and reviews, movie recaps and reviews, fitness photos, and early access to so much more. Visit the Vibe with Kai Patreon and you too can get your vibe on. Subscribe today. So, so you, with this built up community now, you probably get to hear loads and loads and loads of stories pretty much every day from people uh, in all over the world that are just in these situations that you are quite familiar with. What is it like for you to hear these stories every day? Is it, is it, do you feel pressure? Do you feel excited do you feel like eager to help like how like when you get these stories coming in what is what is your general feel so that's a really good question i as a life coach obviously it's really difficult to not insert your own personal experience in a story that you hear at this point in where, where I'm at in this journey, I can hear anything and go, yep, I've heard that before, right? Like nothing is too out of the ordinary for me. And sometimes I feel some, sometimes when people share, when clients share, they're like, is this the craziest thing you've ever heard? Right? Like they, they want that validation because a lot of the times, yeah, it is the craziest thing for them, right? Your trauma is always the worst for you. Um, but I try not to carry what's called vicarious trauma when I hear something and it triggers me or it takes me back and re-traumatizes me, it's maybe a little too close to home or it's something that I've been through. I try not to carry on vicarious trauma by living that story and feeling like it's my own. Have you ever watched a movie 
and you, you felt like, oh my, that could be my sister or my child or, and you feel it, you, and you get this emotional pull and it almost re-traumatizes you thinking if that was me, I don't know what I do. That is what I work on every day through meditation and through debriefing with other coaches that are in my community and, you know, making content and holding space for each client with music or just, you know, meditation um, before and after so that I can give them everything that I'm giving them in that session and be able to debrief and let it go and not carry on that trauma as my own. And that's the gift I give people on the next call. So I'm not carrying this, like, I can't believe this happened to this woman. I just feel for her. I wish this for her. Then I'm carrying that onto the next one. But it's difficult. When I used to go live, when I first started Roller Coaster Love, like probably back in December, January, I had maybe an hour or 30 minutes cap on my lives before I would be like, too That's much. a lot. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. That's a lot. Yeah, it's oh a question goodness. after question after yeah. question, reading all the questions being like, he hit me again, what do I do? Oh. You know, like, you know, really traumatic things. Like, yeah. I can't believe this happened, this happened. What do I do? I'm so stuck, I'm so alone. And I would want to give, 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 give. And you can't give from an empty cup. So taking that on and being the, the type of life coach that can be present for every single um, person that I take on means that I have to fill my cup up with my own self-care every day. Right, right. And that, that's just, that's just part of it so that I can receive that. So what I want to, what I wanted to ask you is, is about the, uh, cause you were, I think you were alluding to this before, and this is something that we talked about before um, the podcast, you have uh, something called the NARC Avengers. Um, can yeah. you, can you talk about that? So the, the NARC Avengers is a group of 15, 15 TikTokers who have all got together. Uh, two of them are self-aware narcissists. Uh, so when I first started this journey, I saw stronger than before and mental illness. And there are two TikTokers that really opened my eyes to narcissistic abuse. Um, when I started watching their content, everything started resonating with me. I started following them. As I started making content of my own, they followed me and started seeing my content. And then Lisa Sani of Stronger Than Before sends me messages says, hey, do you want to be in this group chat? And I said, great, yes, I would love to be. These are all the people who are in this group chat, pretty big and, and influential in the NARC Talk community. And then while we were chatting, we were helping each other. Most of us are coaches. We have two psychologists, two self-aware narcissists. And the thing with the, the NARC Avengers is the Avengers, which I don't follow Marvel comics or anything like that. I do. You got the nerd over do here. You, so I'm, you yeah. got the nerd. Okay. Oh, so yeah. I, got it. I got it all covered. <laughs> you got that part covered. Yes, I do. So, so apparently what the, the biggest thing with a, somebody said, well, what should we call ourselves? Like, why don't we all throw a video out and put all of our handles out and then do and call ourselves something and Lee Hammock, which is mental illness. He will, he says, why don't we call each other the Narc Avengers? And I don't know. I'm like, sure, whatever. So that's just what we call ourselves because we're also very different. We all have our own skill sets. We're not this like um, this huge community team and it's one umbrella and we're all, we all kind of do our own things. And sometimes we have little battles with each other. And sometimes we're like a self-aware narcissist and a survivor going at it. And then, you know, this person over here, but we all help each other and we collaborate. Some of us collaborate on content. So if you look on Instagram and TikTok, hashtag Narc Avengers, you'll see most of our content. We all work separately, but we also come together and collaborate. And apparently I'm Spider-Man. I'm not sure why. That's, but that's not a bad they, thing. It's not a bad that's thing. Not, <laughs> so they picked that for me. <laughs> um, a lot of my content's pretty humorous. And, and just yeah. like yourself, Kai, I like to use humor as mm -hmm. a form of healing. Um, so I try to entertain with humor. And I think it's really important to laugh through our humor because um, it, laughing is, of course, the best medicine. But also it's a way to lighten up some of the real deep trauma that we're we're dealing with and just to just to make light of it and remember that we are still a bright inner there's still a bright inner child that's just that's just you know oozing imagination and really wanting deeply to be back to that innocence again so laughing is part yeah. of that I I, so, I couldn't agree with you more because uh I, there was there was actually one content creator um not too long ago that that attempted to call me out and say because I talk a lot about mental health and my mental health specifically and, um, and I, like you said, I use humor to do so, right? Because I think it's important to find levity, levity in such situations. And yeah. um, this content creator did this whole video saying, uh, 
Kai, you know, mental health isn't funny. You know, you are, you know, making lights of something that's incredibly serious. Blah, blah, blah. And, I, and I, I couldn't help but watch the video. And I was like, as a society, as humans, we can sometimes be so in the dark. We like being in the dark because sometimes we just find this weird comfort there, just kind of sitting in the depth of our sadness, of our of yeah. our uncomfortable uncomfortability, of our um, uh, of, and our brains are just telling us things that just really aren't things. You know, like I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and and um, uh, uh, high uh, high anxiety and severe depression earlier this year. I'm 35. Right. And I did, I never went to a therapist. I never even thought that I had any sort of like, you know, thing in, in general, but like it's therapy for me, you know, mm -hmm. and it, it like uh, comedy humor helps me uh, not only get better, but it helps me and hopefully helps others understand it too. You mm -hmm. know, um, I can explain things, especially things that have happened in my life a lot better I'm a lot more eloquent <laughs> when I can you know make a little light of it you know but I do I do so on a serious matter um most of the time it's self-deprecating but like it's you know I'll never punch down on somebody you know what I'm saying like that's not the kind of humor yeah, that I yeah. do so I, I 100% see your point there yeah it's it's healthy to laugh through through some of the trauma right like um some of my content that I try to make try to make fun of a situation, try to just like make light of it and do, do these little skits that just gets, you know, gets a little bit of like smile going like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Why am I laughing? I usually get comments. Why am I laughing and crying at the same time? I'm like giggles and trauma, right? Like hashtag giggles and trauma. Like this, we can do this. We can laugh through this. You know, some of the, the biggest comedians go through so much in their history and in their life, they go on stage and what do they give as a gift to the world? Humor, laughter, you know, being able to smile, being able to be entertained, having a big old belly laugh when you're listening to a comedian tell an amazing joke that gets you, that's relatable. You know how much it takes for that comedian to go up and do that because they have to access all of their trauma in order to do that. And probably the nerves of going up on stage and doing that as well. Night so after I, night after night. Night sometimes. after <laughs> night after night in this very yeah. lonely, isolating place, yes, right? Yes. So it's a huge task what yeah. you're doing as well. The, the content that you put out and that what we all put out to create this sort of, you know, entertainment through humor is a huge gift that we get to give to everyone who's healing. Because mm -hmm. why stay in that little, I understand everyone has a modality and everyone has a process. And sometimes staying in that, 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 that dark place is helpful for them. Sometimes that is their healing, but everyone is different. We all heal differently. Absolutely. And we know, we know that humor is something that does work. So if mm -hmm. it doesn't work for you, you know, scroll on, move on. Right. So, so if somebody were to be listening to this right now, that may find themselves like they, they're, they're listening to your story and they're thinking to themselves, man, I think I might be in this uh, that type of situation, or I know somebody that might be in that situation. What do you suggest that people do if they're listening right now? And they're like, wait a second, I recognize everything that she's saying right now. What, what do you think the next step should be? So I believe in three main things. If you're, if you found yourself, the algorithm pulls you to the narc talk, right? Pulls you to the YouTube videos and you start learning about narcissism. You see some of my content and you're like, oh, this is starting to make sense, right? I believe that clarity is what we gain when we break cognitive dissonance, when we break all of the lies and all the confusion that we have with, with these abusive dynamics. When we get clarity, we start to learn. So the first thing we need to do is start learning, get on the YouTube pages, get on my content, get on the Narc Talk community, start hashtagging narcissist and just learn about it, make sense of it so that we're not sitting there analyzing and asking ourselves why without any questions, right? So awareness and knowledge, education is really important in getting yourself just that sense of like, okay, now this makes sense so that you can make sense of it. The second thing we need to do is find community start looking around, start making comments if you can, start finding support groups and other resources that can just make you feel not alone. Because the biggest thing with narcissistic abuse and these types of dynamics is that toxic people want to isolate you. They don't want you to have access to support. They don't want you to learn about narc talk and what they're doing. They don't want to be found out, 
right? They, if their masks start slipping and they, you see the real them, they're going to, they're going to be really injured by that. So having a sense of community, finding your people, finding your tribe, and getting involved with other people, because here's the thing, we all are, we're all suffering in a way, we're all healing from this, but if we can help another person in sharing our healing, that person can help the other person and it just becomes a ripple effect. So community is so, so, so important. And then a third thing, and I think the most important thing is putting yourself first again, finding ways to self-care, finding ways to reinvent your self-worth and self-love. And if that means coaching with a life coach, with a relationship coach, a trauma-informed coach, if that means therapy, you know, if that means starting to meditate, if that means finding all the things you used to love to do and, and do them, singing, dancing, self-expression, making content, whatever it is, writing, drawing, getting out in nature, you know, spending time with pets, family, friends, do those things. It's knowledge, community, and self-care. And I think those three things is what you need to focus on because when you're focusing on those three things, you're not focusing on the narcissist anymore. You're not sitting there asking, am I in a narcissistic relationship? You're just naturally in action and you're doing what you need to do to heal. Because the fact that you are asking that question probably means you are in one. That's a great way. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Right. You know, if that person doesn't change, you're asking those questions. Mm -hmm. You're asking for a reason. Yeah. (laughs) If you're not being like, no, then, you you know, if you're, if you're like, wait a second, hold on, this sounds very familiar, you know, absolutely. So like, if, if, if you could give one piece of advice to somebody right now that might potentially be in abusive narcissistic relationship and they're listening right now, what would you say? I would tell them to have hope. And for me, hope stands for hold on pain ends. I want them to have hope that whatever they're going through, whatever you are going through, if you're listening to this right now, whatever it is you're stuck in, don't hope that it's going to get better. Don't hope for any of that. Hope that pain's going to end, that this pain you're going through is going to end, but you do have to hold on. You, you Don't give up. Just know that there is another person on the other side of this. If I could tell myself, Ro, five years ago, when I was in this place that maybe you're in right now, if I could tell Ro five years ago, hang on, this, this wonderful sipping champagne, beautiful life, this, this, this taste of freedom is, is going to be there in 2022 for you and you're going to love it where the, the worst day on the side of freedom is still far better than the best day with that narcissist. If I could tell that row, you know, however many years ago, that's what I would say. And, and she would believe me, right? I would, I would love to give you that feeling, that sense of, of, you know, you know, it's going to be, it's an inspiration to just be able to say, Hey, this side of freedom, it is greener on this side. And it does exist. And it's just here waiting for you. Just have to hold on pain ends, have hope. I love that. I might have to, I might have to uh, uh, spread, that spread that and then I'll, I'll give you credit <laughs> for that. But I like, I like that a lot. Like, honestly, right? what's, what's right. next for you? So like you, you've done all this work, you know, you've built yeah. this community. Do you, what, what's, what's your next step? What do you, what do you want to see happen for you and your, and your, and your own journey? Um, so I'll get into the personal stuff yeah. in a bit, but first with the community, I do want to see Narc Avengers rise up to a place where we want to do big things. We want to, you know, it's going to be Domestic Violence Awareness Month in October, and we're thinking of all getting together. There's uh, 15 of us from all different parts of the world getting together and doing a meetup and having guest speakers and um having topics that we can discuss like co-parenting with a narcissist or going no contact with a narcissist or how to break a trauma bond and get a big community that we can they can see our faces and we're not online anymore we're out in the in the community in breathing the same air and actually doing something where you can feel our energy that's kind of something we're all looking forward to doing and we're collaborating every month and just talking about some ideas personally I have decided that I am going to share my story in a form of a novel. It's going to be um, kind of written like a, like a thriller type thing, like, uh, you know, the harrowing tale of sex addiction and things like that. This is going to be something that I want to put out for me as a story of just leaving my words and my story on paper and, and honor my part in that relationship and, and all the love that I brought into it. 
So that's something I'm working on. <laughs> I love that. That's a gr- that's a great idea. You just gonna, you, I, I feel like give, like 10 years from now, you and I are going to be sitting on some like late night talk show and you're going to be promoting that. your new movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> movie. We'll see. We'll and I'll, see. Be, we'll I'll see. be interviewing you on the, the Tonight Show with Kyra's Keenan Westcott. <laughs> oh gosh, you, you can pull up this and be like yes. remember when Ro was in her kitchen and you know we were just like my cats my cats were chasing cats were jumping a, a fly that's outside of the window jumping and they're literally just staring at, at my at the window right now they're just staring they can see it and they want to pounce oh man it, <laughs> but like honestly that's a really that's a really great like idea I, re- I really love that and I like I really hope that that like comes to fruition I uh, I have I, been I working I've been working on it it's yeah, yeah, it's been really difficult. One one of my mentors, um, Carrie Kerr McAvoy, she wrote an amazing book called Love You More. And she's on TikTok as Carrie Kerr McAvoy PhD. And uh, she's one of the Narc Avengers. We're meeting in Mexico next week or next next month. And she had given me all of everything I need to know on how to write a book because she's written an amazing book. And I've given her things that I've already written in the past. I I wrote out my birth story for a magazine. I wrote a couple other pieces and she's like, you're a great writer. You're actually really good. Um, But here's some things that you can try. And so I've been actually working on this book and um, I use a app called Scribly, which like builds the book for me. So I'm, I'm hoping that in a year or two, we'll see what my that's deadline exciting. is, that there's something I will be able to publish. That's really exciting. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm like legit sending all of the good juju your way. Like Give it's me just, the juju. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll, <laughs> take, it. I'll if, take all the juju. If anybody I used to be, wants, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I used to be a person who would never accept support, good juju, mm. positive vibes. I was very independent yeah. and I'm like, oh, I could do it on my own. Like, no, I but got no. it from here. Thank Go you. Go take it. Give it, give it, give it, give it. I'll take it. <laughs> if, if somebody's listening right now, they're like, hey, I, I like this person. I want to see more of this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can they get more information about you? Yeah. So rollercoasteroflove.ca is my website and I'm streaming on all platforms. I have uh, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram um twitter i think I, my, my, virtual, my virtual assistant has has me set up on even pinterest I, i'm not sure but yeah. you can find me mostly on tiktok youtube and all of my handles are roller coaster of love there's an underscore with i with ig but that's the only one and you can find my content you can find access to all my favorite books all my resources workbooks and journals i've done and then my coaching services are all on my website so yeah roll, and, roller coaster and, of love and for those of you that are listening uh that that was, was trying to write all that down like ah don't worry I have it in the description of this podcast you'll be able to easily click and uh and and, and go and and view all of this stuff I implore you if if you enjoyed this podcast today if you enjoy this interview if you enjoyed listening to Ro and her story and her and, and her community that she's building I implore you go follow her go subscribe go do everything because I tell you she she has your best interests at heart she has a great story to tell and uh, I'm so thankful that you were here with me today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having I, me. That I'm was glad great. that this worked out. Like this was, this happened pretty fast. You know, like we made this happen pretty quick. <laughs> so quick. I yeah. know. I'm super excited. Honestly, uh, thank you. Uh, Ro, thank you for sitting and chatting with me today. Uh, I know I, le- I personally learned a lot from this and I hope everybody else that was listening uh, did as well. Uh, like I said, I put Ro's uh, social handles and website in the podcast description. So please give her a follow if you haven't already. Vibers, always remember, if there's a content creator that you want me to reach out to, please let me know and I will reach out to them and see if I can get them on. Thank you again, Ro, for being my guest today. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. As always, God bless and good vibes. 